Thank you, ladies. The book of Matthew again, Matthew chapter number 28, Matthew 28, and we'll look at the last part of the chapter. Does your Bible automatically open to this passage of Scripture yet? Uh, we've been in it for some time, and uh, I have uh, outlined uh, all the way through the uh, end of the month, and if the Lord doesn't impress me uh, in, in any other area as far as the Great Commission goes, we'll uh, go through the end of the month, uh, but I believe it's been a help to us, and my plan is to uh, have this in a book by our conference, and so that it'll be available to certainly us, but also to the pastors who will be here. I believe it'll be a help uh, to many people, and so I uh, didn't know the, the Bible talks so much about the Great Commission, did we, until we uh, get into here and reminded that that is the focus uh, of God, was to send His Son to save the world. And this evening, I want us to look again at cha uh, chapter 28, verse number 19, and verse number 20. It's been a good day already, hasn't it? And look forward to uh, the next month, May, our graduations. I want to encourage you to be here this coming Friday night uh, for the commencement uh, to uh, uh, help recognize those who have completed their studies. And uh, Dr. Terry Sellers will be here to preach for us, and so that will be a blessing uh, as well. And then we go right into uh, several other school uh, functions to finish out the uh, uh, month of May. And the summertime will be upon us, and we know how pleasant the weather is around here during the summertime, and so we'll look forward to getting a lot done for him. Matthew 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. By now... Uh, unless this is your first time uh, attending our services on a Sunday, uh, we know this is the Great Commission. Uh, we know what Christ is, has commanded His church uh, to do, to go and to win the lost. Uh, teach all nations. What was He asking them to teach them? He wasn't just asking them to teach doctrine. He wasn't just asking to teach them the Baptist way. Uh, teach them uh, what the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel. Uh, that is the importance. Of course, that is doctrinal, but that's what he asks uh, for them to teach all of them, baptizing them. Uh, once they trust Christ, once they uh, chose Christ as their Savior, there's the public declaration of their faith. And friend, we ought to be uh, more public in our faith than we are our favorite football team. We ought to be more public in faith than, in our faith than anything else. Uh, we shouldn't be secret agent Christians. Uh, you know, we should, we should, those kind of Christians, well, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. You know, that kind of Christian. No, uh, we, people ought to be able to tell there's something. They may not know what it is, but they ought to be able to tell there's something different about us. And we ought to be quick to confess Christ. What do I mean by that? I, I'm a child of God. I'm believing in Christ. I trust in Christ for my salvation. But that baptism is that identification. It is that public declaration. Uh, teach them to identify with Christ. And then uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. I'm going to spend one message talking about those all things that he has commanded. Why? Because we want others to be enough. If we're going to teach others about what Christ has done, uh, it will take discipleship. Because the devil is going to try and stop you and I. Our flesh is going to get in the way. And so we want to win others, have them publicly declare their faith in Christ, identify with Christ, and then teach them to be a disciple so that they can repeat that process. It's important for us to be reminded of that because this evening I'm going to preach on the strategy of the Great Commission. That might sound a little 
odd as a title tonight, but I'm going to be very practical. But because I'm practical, it doesn't mean it's going to be less important uh, than, than these other messages. And, and we need to understand uh, with our responsibility and what we put forth, we put forth the effort, the impact that it can have. So let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that you'd use your word tonight. Uh, may the Spirit of God help us as we think of what Christ has done for us. Father, we must think of a lost world when we speak of the Great Commission. Before we think of a lost world, we must first think of our own salvation, what Jesus has done for us. And it's through Christ we have forgiveness. Through Christ we have that blessed hope. And Father, may we be quick, may we be willing, may we be faithful to share the greatest news that man could ever hear, that Jesus died for their sins. Father, I pray that this would be a help to us, to be a reminder of us, the, not just the importance of the commission, but the opportunity we have with it. May our, us as a church be reminded of what uh, lies ahead of us, what is in front of us, and the impact that can be made. I pray that you'd use your word tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll permit me just for a moment just to speak to you as a pastor to church. Uh, I have certain things that I keep on my mind every day uh, as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. As a pastor, I want to honor God, first of all, in the way that I pastor. I want you to be pleased with me, but that's not my priority. I want man to uh, appreciate, but that's not my priority. My priority is to honor God uh, with the opportunities he has given me. Uh, The second thing that I keep in my mind when it comes to pastoring uh, this church is the shepherd the flock. I'm very aware that this church belongs to Christ. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. I'm just the under shepherd. But it's an important responsibility I have as the shepherd to shepherd the flock. I want to teach you the word of God as the spirit of God instructs me. I want to see you grow through the word of God. I want to see you have prayers answered. I want to be there uh, in your darkest hour. I wish I could keep dark hours from you, but I don't have that power. The other thing that I can do if I can't keep it from you, I can pray for you during that time. I can be present during that time. I, I I want to celebrate great victories with you. I want to shepherd the flock that God has assembled here and given me that responsibility over. But then I wanted to sum it up this way. Um, as a pastor and the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, I want to build a church. I'm not one that's just trying to fulfill a title. I understand the responsibility that comes with the title. And when I say build a church, I am very aware that it is the Lord that builds the church. I am very aware that it is He that is doing the work. But I'm also very aware that if we follow the instructions in this book as his church, he will build it. We have that promise. We are seeing it week in and week out. If we are faithful to follow his commands, he will build his church. Maybe I think different than other people. I'm sure I do. But I just kind of have this mindset. If, if, If we're going to be in this together, pastor and people, why don't we just see all the miracles that we can see? Why don't we just make all the impact that we can have? I have a desire not just to fill a post. I'm not, I'm not just pastoring here to try and move on to a, a bigger congregation. I don't think I can move on to a better congregation. That's not my goal. That's not my desire. I want to build 
with God's help, I want to build the lives of people. I, there are goals that I, I want to accomplish. Uh, I've mentioned some of them to you in the past. I, I, I want our ministry of Christian education. I want to see a thousand young people in our schools one day. Uh, you know I've conveyed to have different campuses where we have different schools and daycares. Uh, we can make a difference in, in, in the lives of young people. Boy, I know we're, we're, we're lacking in space, for especially Sunday school space, but you know, I, I have goals of things that I ask the Lord for. I want to see uh, a thousand adults in, in our Sunday school classes one day. Uh, that's not including the children. They say, well, Pastor, do you believe that can happen? Well, why, why don't we see what God can do? I want to impact, I want to have a part in impacting thousands of families for the cause of Christ. I believe one church can affect the world. We're already doing it. Uh, this morning, I mean, the, the, the time is ahead of us, but this morning there are Christians who met in buildings that this church paid for on different continents. They met on property. There are men who are supported, national men who are supported by this church to reach their own people. All across this country, there's those who have come out of this church and are faithful to preach the gospel. One church can affect the world. I believe that. This Bible tells us that. History tells us of that. I believe one church can affect a generation. For good. This Bible tells us this. History tells us this. I believe that one church can affect the world, can affect the generation. Some might say, well, Pastor, with all these different things that seem to be happening right now, and all these different ministries, and I've had this said to me, and I don't take offense to it, it's like, you sure are ambitious. I'm not ambitious. I just don't believe there's any limit to what God can do. We can call it ambition, if you will, but it's really not what it is. I believe we all have one life. God put us all here together at this time. I believe God still has no limits on him. I believe if God has done it in the past, he can do it in the present, and he can do it in the future. I believe that he can take the most unassuming people in the world... And he can do something great by their effort and by their obedience to his word. If, if we are going to engage in spiritual warfare, we know the devil is real. We fight him for our children. We fight him for our families. We fight him for our church. I promise you, and I'll, and, and I'll say this for no other reason but just to illustrate it, your pastor deals in spiritual warfare on a daily basis. There are things that, with God's help, I face and do that you never know about. It's part of the responsibility. If I'm going to battle because he's worthy of that, if I'm going to battle because these children are worthy of that, if I'm going to battle because I believe you're worthy of that, then why don't we just see how many people we can reach with the gospel? Why don't we just make the biggest difference that we possibly can? I'm not interested in just surviving. I'm interested in advancing the cause of Christ. Jesus may come in this hour. He may come in our lifetime, but he very well may not. We should be looking for him. 
I, I don't want to just hold, hold on and I intend to just hold on and be faithful. And some days that's all you can do is I just want to survive the day. But when the hour is late in the, in, in, on this church and the hour is late in this world, I want to be said of the Emmanuel Baptist Church that we did everything we could for the cause of Christ. I don't want it to be, as it said about certain places in the, in, the, in the ministry of Jesus, he did not many great works there because of their unbelief. I believe that could be said of so many churches across our world that God is not doing a great work there because of their unbelief. I don't want it to be said of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I don't want to be said of us as a people. It's not because of, of, of a lack of faith. I just do not believe that there's any limitations to what God can do. In the book of Acts, we are told that those apostles, those group of men, turned the world upside down. How did they do it? By playing it safe. The Bible says they hazarded their lives. It means they gave of themselves. For the cause of Christ. I'm saying all that as a foundation because the Bible tells us one of the, the foundational principles you as a child of God need to have. And when I say it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The book of Ecclesiastes reminds us there's no new thing under the sun. I mentioned our adversary. We, if we study the Bible, we know how he'll attack us. It's worked so well. And we're, we're so gullible, and if you'll permit me to say it because we're sheep, we're so dumb. He don't have to invent new tricks. We know how he's going to come at us. If we know that, we can prepare ourselves, we can defend ourselves. There's no new thing under the sun. Well, Pastor, at days of old, there were great churches, and it was evident that God did a great work. And, and they, 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 when their generation was done, they left behind a great impact for the cause of Christ. But that generation has passed and the world is different. If there's no new thing under the sun, we need the same old thing if we're going to make a difference for the cause of Christ. You and I know what that is because it's been our focus. It's the Great Commission. I still believe that you can build this city used to be full of churches that did not run in the hundreds, but they ran in the thousands. You'll be hard-pressed to find a Bible-believing church that that can be said of. I'm here to say that's not God's fault. That's not God's problem. That's our fault. That's our problem. I believe what God has done in the past, He can still do today. The same old way, we have, we have, uh, we have improved ourselves. We have, we've been cutting edge, and we have all the technology, and I'm not against using that, but we have replaced the power of God with all the latest bells and whistles that come along. Yeah, maybe that's why around this world there are, it, there are villages being reached, there are cities being influenced, because they're just depending on the power of God. It's the same old thing. I'm talking about the Great Commission. Now, I'm saying all that to say, I believe you're on board with that. We have to be of one accord. You're probably seeing, and I mentioned it towards the end of last year, uh, that uh, in January, it'd be my 10-year anniversary as pastor. There's some things that I, I decided I was going to wait 10 years to kind of do, get some, my feet under me. We've moved to this location, and I believed it was time for us to press forward uh, with or without the buildings. 
with or without everything we needed. Uh, we know what it's like to have three, four services, no parking lot, all those kind of things. I'm not saying we go back to that. But the point I'm making is we know the importance of being of one accord. I'm going to mention four truths when it comes to the strategy of the Great Commission that you and I need to be reminded of. I believe that the world can be reached with the gospel. Now, whether or not you or I, if we're going to be pessimistic about it, I believe it can be because I don't believe God gives a command that cannot be fulfilled. Now, we may have to burn all of our dreams to do it. We have to have the power of God to do it. And if all God's people, all who claim the name of Christ would be willing to do that, the world would be reached. Could you imagine? Our goal this year is to double our attendance. Can you imagine if every Bible preaching church said we're going to double our attendance? Whether they were, they were, they were running 20 or, 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 or 200 or whatever the case, it'd make a difference. Say, well, Pastor, I just don't know if it can be done. I think it can be done. I think the same Holy Spirit who performed the miracle at Pentecost can still convict sinners today. So we've got to be committed to that, the, the same old thing, that great commission. And now we're, we're going to look at the strategy. may not be the best title of the time, but the strategy of the great commission. Jesus died for everyone. Do we believe that? Yes or no? Absolutely. I do not believe that some are predestined to heaven and some are predestined to hell. Uh, like a good preacher friend I was talking to yesterday, he said, I'm just not predestined to believe that. Uh, I, I, just, I, I, just, I just believe that Jesus died for everybody. Jesus paid the sacrifice for man. Jesus gave the commission. Jesus did not die for the whole world so that some could not be saved. He put into motion, said, church, I'm going back to the Father. I'll be sitting at his right hand. He ascended. We read it, read it this morning. I'm leaving this task with you to go tell the world, to win the world. Now, we know that there are some who hear the gospel and reject it. That's a choice. It's a tragic choice, but it's a choice man has. Our responsibility is to go and give them. This is the way, say, well, they may tell me no. It's my job and your job to give them the opportunity to say yes or no. And while it's tragic to have somebody reject the gospel, you and I fulfilled our responsibility by giving the gospel. Now, let me just make four quick, quick statements or kind of quick statements tonight. Number one, the strategy of the Great Commission, uh, it requires commitment. It requires commitment. If a church is going to make an impact, can you imagine what an impact it would take to, uh, it would have on this city for this church to influence hundreds of families? We're already influencing hundreds of families because we have a hundred, hundreds of families who are members of this church. Let's get to the thousands of families. Can you imagine what an impact that would have? That have a greater impact than any social program. Greater, greater impact. But it requires commitment. It requires, if you look at the three parts of the Great Commission, it requires a commitment on behalf of God's church to witness. It requires a commitment to say, I'm going to look for somebody I can give the gospel to. It requires a commitment to 
Grab those gospel tracts, keep them on your person, and to hand them to somebody. It requires a commitment to say, well, I'm going to show up at this time, and I'm, I'm going to go knock on some doors. You record whatever aspect of being a witness that we want to talk about, it requires a commitment. If you don't take the time to do it, you won't do it. If you don't make a point in your mind to say, I'm looking for somebody, you've heard me say it, I wish we could just do away with scheduled soul winning, meaning that everybody, just everywhere they went, looked for somebody they could be a witness to. Uh, that, that is God's plan. Now, I'm not going to cancel it, but you, you understand the point. that It requires commitment. Now, uh, this has been a church that for decades has, has been committed to getting the gospel out. I praise the Lord for that. But if we're going to continue to do that, it must be a commitment. If you and I are going to be faithful witnesses, we must commit to do it. Uh, every, every week, we have the scheduled times. People go out and people come to church because of our efforts and people get saved uh, because of, uh, of the canvassing and knocking on doors and inviting people to come. All of those things. It takes, but you know what? It, it, it requires commitment to do that. It requires commitment that when you go out in public, you know lost people are in Walmart? has nothing to do with my message. I just felt like reminding us that lost people are in Walmart. But anyway, uh, no, you know, everywhere we go. There are, don't believe the lie of the devil that, there are, that nobody wants this kind of church. That's not true. People want somebody to tell them the truth whether they like it or not. They want somebody to just say, this is what God says. They're more concerned with, with, with the truth than than how it's said or how it's presented. They just want somebody. The media lies to them. The government lies to them. The public education lies to them. Uh, the boss lies to them. They just want somebody to tell them what has God said. There are people who are looking for, for this kind of a church. They're looking for the answer. It requires commitment. But not just to be a witness. It requires commitment to follow up on them. When you and I win somebody to Christ, we now have a responsibility to see, do everything we can to see them take that next step. This would change our world if we were just as committed to that next step as we were to the first step. We must be committed to follow up on our converts. If somebody says, hey, this person got saved, I don't have time, can you go see them? They might be in your Sunday school class, they might be in your age group, and you agree to take that responsibility, you must be committed to it. If somebody says, you know, well, here's a, here's a, here's a couple that's been visiting this is the situation where would you go visit them? We need to be committed to that. Uh, the third part of that Great Commission is to teach. One of the messages I'm going to bring is what, are we, what it means to, 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 to invest the investment of the Great Commission and what that requires. And part of that is to be along somebody while they grow. You know, some of you are going through it now. You, you, you have that baby that's born and comes home, and then, you know, they... They, they roll over the first time, and the world stops. We got to tell everybody, the baby rolled over. I have a few, and you won't care, but you know, the first one, the baby rolled over. Then the baby's getting up, and then the baby's crawling. It's like, oh, I'm tired of carrying this baby around. I can't wait till they walk. Oh, don't make that mistake, because then they're loose. They are loose, and you got to keep up with them. And oh, they walk, but when they take that first step... A lot of times they hang on to that finger or that hand to steady them. You see that kid, and I, I enjoy watching 
bring the kids up to, to speak to me after the service or you go get them from the nursery and, and then they get loose. When they get loose, they don't know where they're going. They're going everywhere they're not supposed to go. They're going the wrong way. I don't know where they're going. Well, isn't that the way we are as new Christians? We need somebody to help us know where to go. We need somebody to help us along the way. Now, eventually, we're going to have to walk on our own. Eventually, we're going to have to learn how to make decisions and dress ourselves and feed ourselves and make, make wise choices. But until then, aren't you thankful you got somebody to help you along the way? Boy, we didn't get here where we are as Christians without somebody helping us. Whether it was our parents who brought us to church and reared us in church, or it was a, it was a Sunday school teacher or, or, or somebody who, who was alongside of us and befriended us, it takes the same commitment for every, every part of the Great Commission. So it first requires commitment. Number two, it requires consistency. Doing the same thing over and over and over again. Pastor, when are we going to change our, 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 our visitation and our soul winning strategy? We're not going to change it. Well, did you say you wanted to double? Yes, we're going to do the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, we're going to tell people about Christ. If, if, they need, if they don't know for sure they're going to heaven, we're going to tell them how they can go to heaven. And then when they trust Christ their Savior, we're going to talk to them about that next, that next part. And we have being printed right now, and I expect it to already be here, but it's not here, a, a, a booklet explaining church membership, what that means. We have one for baptism being printed. And so we can help new Christians walk that next step. And we're even, it's way down the line, but there's even going to be a, a roadmap where it's like as a new Christian, you do this, then you do this, and then you do this. And then say, Pastor, are you, that's a lot of visiting for you. No, 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 it's not just for me. It's for all of us. Because we want to we have a part, we want to make this commitment to help people. But it's going to require consistency to do it over and over and over again. I made the statement when I first started this series that if, if, if you as a Christian will just fulfill the Great Commission one time, you've done something that the majority of Christians have never done. Maybe you're here today and you say, what a blessing. Boy, there's, there's so-and-so. I remember knocking on their door. I remember picking them up on the bus. I remember inviting them to church. And now look at them. They're, they're inviting other people to church. That's a great blessing. Pastor, look at that. So what should I do? Do it again. Do it again. Pastor, I, I was able to lead so-and-so to Christ and well, I just, I've, I've, for a year and a half, I've been trying to get them to come, and, and they won't come, take that next step. Well, go win somebody else. Do it again. Well, I got this convert that I got them to come to church with me and spoke to them about baptism, explained all that to them, that identification and that public confession. And, and, and well, I'm thankful I got, uh, I can take the rest of the year off. No, do it again. Do it again. Well, that... As a Sunday school teacher, those of you that teach Sunday school and have taught Sunday school, you don't just teach one Sunday. What? Praise God. Sunday school's over. That was a long lesson. I got through it, though. What's next on the list? Do it again next Sunday. And the next Sunday. And the next Sunday. 
It requires consistency over and over and over again. I mentioned this morning that so far this year we've had two different families join. Our attendance has been up, I believe it's 16%. Pastor, we've we got to wait. We're, we're going to get there. The momentum is building. So what are we, how are we going to get there? Just do the same thing over and over again. Over and over again, over and over again. If we reach somebody this week, this is common sense. Then we go reach somebody the next week, and the next week, and the next week. Boy, before you know it, not only do you have a full building, but you don't have room for everybody. Before you know it, you can look back and say, the Lord has used me to give the gospel to this many people. The Lord has used me to share the gospel with this person requires consistency over and over and over again. It should make sense to us. Number three, it requires longevity. You cannot do something for a long time without being faithful. But this church is a church that has longevity. There are many who have, are teaching or have taught a certain class for not just years but decades. Many who have sang in the choir for not just months and years, but decades. Many who've been ushers or worked in the bus ministry or the nursing home ministry or some form or fashion, some capacity for a long time. You don't do that without being faithful. Longevity. I was speaking to a preacher friend yesterday and somehow we, we got on the subject of of people changing, and, and he made the comment, he's an older, older preacher than me, and he made the comment, you know, some of these guys, they just, you know, they, they, they do something. He was talking about a pastor that he ran into that one time had a great church, and then he killed it with false doctrine. Soul-winning church, bus-running church, killed it with false doctrine. Got so smart that he became a Calvinist, and he killed the church. Church doesn't even exist today. And he made that comment, and it made me think of something that Dr. Lee Robertson said. He said, sometimes these, these guys, they blow up a balloon, and all they know how to do is let the air out. In other words, we build something the right way, and then we become unfaithful. And if God blesses in, in a certain way, doesn't it just make sense if we just keep doing that? Don't, as a church, you know, I believe in doing things sharp and first class and in, in doing and taking advantage of all. We have a church app. Can you believe that? I take advantage of all of the, the technology and all of that. I'm not against any of that, but you cannot replace the same thing that we do over and over again with something else. If you and I are going to be faithful, please don't miss this. You've got to grow. In all of this emphasis of helping new Christians grow, you've got to grow. You cannot help somebody grow if you're not growing. You've got to grow. I, I knew this, and I've mentioned this, and if you'll permit me to use it as an illustration again tonight, I knew that when I set these goals out, I knew it was going to require growth in your pastor. I could not remain in the same capacity spiritually, 
organizationally, with, with, with knowledge. I knew that I was going to have to give a greater effort to grow. just makes sense. If a pastor is going to pastor more people, he's got to grow. If he's going to lead more ministries, he's got to grow. The same is true of every child of God. If you're going to help a new Christian, you've got to grow. Eventually, somebody is going to come, and those two seats next to you on Sunday morning, they're going to put a new family there next to you. And then they're going to look to you and say, Brother and Miss So-and-so, meet so-and-so. And then they'll give you a little wink, and that's code for it. They're your responsibility now. Be their friend. Get their phone number. Invite them to the next activity. That, that's what that's going to mean. Now everybody's going to be like, hey, just fill in these empty seats uh, around us so that they can't put anybody new here. But in order to do that, you've got to grow to a point where you don't let every little thing keep you out of the Sunday night service. You've got to grow to the point where you're reading your Bible every day so that you, when you're going to say, well, man, I just got saved and boy, all this, I don't know what to do. Well, read your Bible every day. Well, it's a lot easier to say that when you're reading your Bible every day. Well, how, what, 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 what am I supposed to well, get, let's get baptized? Let's join the church. I had this conversation recently with somebody who didn't think they, they should ever put their family under the church. How are you going to tell somebody else to join the church if you're not going to join the church? It's a logical question. How are you going to tell somebody to, to be a witness if you're not being a witness? So you have to grow. If you're going to do anything for a long time, you, you're, you have got to grow yourself. If you're going to grow and you're going to remain faithful, you must maintain your relationship with Christ. We touched on it this morning in the life of Moses. What a personal relationship Moses had with God. No matter who you are and how close you are to God and how faithful you are in your relationship, I don't think any of us would dare say that we're in the same realm as Moses. And I know Moses was chosen for a specific time, for a specific purpose, but Moses met with God. And even when Moses made his mistakes, and even when Moses went through hardships, what he could rely on was his relationship with God. You and I must maintain that. So number one, we said it requires commitment. Number two, it requires consistency. Number three, it requires longevity. Here's number four, and we're done. It results in multiplication. There becomes addition, then multiplication. See, if you understand and you, and, you, and you study the book of Acts, you study the Great Commission, you study what God has done in the past, this is very, it's very simple. It's, it's, there's logic with it. When you take the power of God, of course, is the multiplier. It cannot be multiplied without God's power. You cannot, and many have made the mistake over the last 20, a lot of my contemporaries have made the mistake of thinking they can just organize it. Thinking they just know well, I can think it and therefore it can go. You can't do it. Now you've got to be organized, but you've got to have God's power. That is the multiplier. If you study, that's why I say, Pastor, I mean, you've got some big, it, it, it just makes sense. If we double once, or let me say it like this, when we double once, why can't we double twice? Or maybe we can't do it in a year like we're going to do this year, but why can't we double again? And if we double twice, is he going to say it? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Why don't we double three times? 
I mean, there's 1.6 million people in the greater Jacksonville area. We're on the First Coast Expressway. There are, we have members who drive 45 minutes to an hour to be here now. If you want the truth, you can get here. Well, why don't we? Pastor, this is a great idea. Let's do it. Let's vote it in. No, that's not how it works. There must come addition, then comes multiplication. Let me illustrate this, and I'm going to get all you guys to help me. Y'all stand up up here. All right? Go get your convert and bring them down to the, to the altar. Go get somebody. Yep, I ought to pick them too. They need to get saved. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, they, these men have gotten one. Uh, some of them I'm going to send, have you send them back and try again. <laughs> okay, now they have spent some time. They've given the gospel. Now these have trusted Christ. The family of God has just grown. New names written down in glory. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes God allows people to cross our path. That's the only time we'll ever see them on this planet. They're passing through town. We're passing through town. That's not a coincidence. That's, a, that, that's, a, that's something that God arranged. And I'm afraid that God arranges that every day, and sometimes we're not even thinking about it. We miss it. But those people are still saved, even if we never see them again. But we want to build a church. We want to make a difference where God has us. So we spend some time with them. We get them to come to church with us. We... We get them in Sunday. Maybe maybe they're in our they're same, our same age bracket, or 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 where they can be in our Sunday school class, or they can come to an activity, or they can uh, come to the men's meeting, whatever. We get them to come to church. We save them a seat in church. They they miss a, a week. We we call them. They miss they miss two weeks. Hey, we're we're coming by. Hey, come. We we got several couples going out after church on Sunday night. Why don't you come with us? You're going to have to get outside of your box to do that which means you're going to have to grow. So now they've got new Christians, and now they have worked with them to get them to join the church. They've been baptized. Public declaration of their faith in Christ. Man, you ought to be in church. Next thing, step you do is you join the church. Now you're part of the church. You become a member. What does that mean? Show up. What does that mean? Let me explain to you about... They pass those plates. Am I, I've been, am I supposed to take out or am I supposed to put in? It seemed logical to put in, but the guy next to me was taken out. But, you know, what do, I, what do I do? And you help them grow and answer questions. Then they get to the point, it's like, what's, when's that soul winning training that I keep hearing an announcement about? Oh, well, that's on Thursday night. Why don't you, I'll meet you there. That's on Saturday. I'll, I'll meet you there. Well, I can't do either one of those. Oh, don't worry about that. I've got the curriculum. We'll set up a time where I can personally take you through it. And then when you go through it, I'll take you with me so that we can give the gospel to somebody else. Now, when they're at that point, I'm not going to do it. But now if you say, okay... 
all y'all go get you one. We added first, but now we're multiplying. Now you're reaching, who, who am I going to go? Who, let's go talk to your neighbor. Oh, yeah, they need, you ought to hear them. Let's go talk to them. Uh, what about well, my, my, I have a, I have a family member that, that's kind of in between places that are living with me right now. Let's go, let's go talk to them. Or I've got somebody on my list that I've been working on. Let's, let's go see them. And then everybody, then this crowd goes and finds somebody else. And then, boy, now we're really making a difference and an impact. Say, well, Pastor, you make it sound easy. It is simple. It's not easy. We've complicated it where we don't need to complicate it. But it's hard because the devil doesn't like what we're talking about. It's hard because our flesh gets in our way. It's hard because we have to make sacrifices in order to do this. He's got another question. This is elementary. Well, for a new convert, it is elementary. It's hard because... Not everybody that you talk to wants the gospel. It's hard and it can be disheartening because you work with somebody and you see them growing and you see the devil get in their way or you see somebody get in their ear and they fall by the wayside. Say, Pastor, what about them? They never got to the point where they were a disciple telling somebody else. Well, you, who's the other person that you've led to Christ and inviting Trying to get them to come. We say, well, it's just, it just sounds like it's all about numbers. Well, it's, was it a number when you got saved? Make a difference in your family? It's, it's families that need the gospel. It, it's, it's, it's little boys and girls that need a mom and dad who's saved. It, it, it's, it's, boy, they get saved as a child. Do you realize how much heartache? Well, you say, well, Pastor, what's the big deal about this ministry of Christian education? My kids are grown. You have no idea. Maybe you do. You see the headlines of what goes on in the public schools. And the opportunity they have by just getting a Christian education. Then you can really make a difference. And do you know what happens? When we begin multiplying, there's more missionaries that are sent out. It's taken a long time. And we haven't even put a shovel in the ground yet. Pastor, when is it ever going to happen? I know some, and they, they discourage me and they encourage me at the same time. Some other pastors I know have been in building programs, and they had to wait five years. You heard Brother Fredieto, who is here, he's been trying to build for 13 years. He finally said, I'm not getting permits, I'm just building. So I don't know what the Lord is, how the Lord's speaking on that, but um, he is the Godfather over there, so I'm not even going to. He, he I'm not talking about doing that. But it's been. But this, this sort of encourages us. It's taken a while. But if we keep the strategy, his strategy, 
when that shovel goes in the ground the first time, with God as our helper, we're not going to be able to build fast enough. Because we need the space now. So, Pastor, why do we need all of these buildings? Because there are families out there that have yet to be reached. And they need a nursery to drop their child off in so they can come and sit in here. You, we forget the burdens that people have when they bring in here because you've forgotten your burdens when you first came to church. You forgot the weight that was on your shoulders. What you needed. Wait, I still believe that God's people can turn the world upside down. And my goal and my desire when the Lord comes or the Lord is done with me as the pastor of this church and this church has a generation behind it that has done some, some great things for God. When, when my generation is done and it's left behind for those that come behind, I want to leave something behind that makes a difference for the cause of Christ. What's the greatest thing that you can leave behind? Is a church that is fulfilling the Great Commission. People who are fulfilling the Great Commission. I'm not concerned with building cathedrals. I'm concerned with advancing the cause of Christ. And when we begin making additions, then it becomes multiplications. And that's when you can really make a difference in a city, You you want to swing an election? Shake a city up with the gospel. Have we're going to have we're going to have we're going to have the goal is eighty. I told Brother Joe have eighty or you're fired. Preachers for our 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 preachers delight conference. I think we're going to be closer to a hundred than eighty. So what's the big deal about that? That's an opportunity God's given us to influence that many. Churches in one week to say, hey, it can still be done in 2023. I'm tired of people saying, well, Joe Biden's the president. It's over. God is still on his throne. And if God could turn the world upside down with Nero in power, with Nero putting Christians and using them as torches, then God can still build a work in 2023. And why don't he just start in Jacksonville, Florida? It's the Great Commission. You see, there's, there's two different strategies. Well, we've got to get everybody registered to vote. I've got a different strategy. Why don't we see how many people we can get saved? And then let the Holy Spirit do a work in their heart. Let them grow as a Christian. And something tells me that the Holy Spirit is in charge of a life. They're probably going to check the right box on a ballot. What strategy? The, the strategies we've been using for the last 30 years have not worked. There's no new thing under the sun. Jesus is coming again. But in the meantime, he hasn't sent different instructions. We're to be busy. We're to be busy fulfilling the Great Commission. Every one of us can be a witness. You may not be able to do what some others can do. I understand that. And, and matter of fact, I've advised so many, say, nope, you don't be, need to participate in that. It's just where you're at, in your health, your, your, your schedule. This is, I want you to do it in a different, everybody can have a part. Don't underestimate what you can do for Christ. 
It's a big deal, ladies, to have enough names to put on the slots that we need for the nursery. It's a, it's a, it's a big responsibility, men, as you serve in your post as the ushers and security and you're in your place with the choir and, and everything. It's a, don't, don't underestimate having a smile on your face on Sunday morning. I haven't been a member here long. I don't know who is. Look for the people who are scared to death when they come in. They're the new ones. The people who come and say, and they take brother so-and-so's seat, they're new. They don't know. They haven't learned. Don't underestimate you just sticking your hand out and introducing yourself. It's good to see you today. Or somebody wandering around with their child. Where do I go? Let me show you where to go. It's parking in the grass so there's parking spots left over for visitors. That's a big deal. That offering plate comes by, being faithful in our tithes and our offerings and our, and our giving. It's a big responsibility. Well, we, we can have a part. God's plan still works. I would, I would say, and I don't think I can, I can be challenged on it, but they'd be wrong, that the churches that I've referenced many times through the years. When I came to Jacksonville, all these churches running the hundreds and some even the thousands. Well, you'd go out on teen soul winning and you, you could, you'd fill up one hand the number of different churches that you came in contact with. Well, I remember having a bus route. And well, you, you, you knew which churches that you had to beat there. Are they going to try to steal your bus kids? I don't, I'm not saying there's none to go out, but it's been a long time since I've encountered any. And I would dare say the downfall is getting away from the Great Commission. Why do churches die? Because we're not reaching more people. We're not reaching another generation. Let's be committed to the Great Commission. What part can you play? Let's stand together. We'll have our invitation.